from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 63 of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee across the glass tonight. Lance Dahl. Episode 63, hey? 63. Wow. Great That's milestone a lot of episodes. so far. I know. It's a lot of episodes. We're creeping up to 99, 100. Getting closer. And beyond. Oh. <laughs> Getting closer. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on the line tonight, Corey Bacoskis is here. Hello. Good I'm evening to you, that- sir. I'm glad you called me a second time because I didn't recognize the first number. So <laughs> Oh, you didn't, eh? No. I was like, medicine hat number, that sounds like trouble. <laughs> so, Fuck you. Gl- glad we had clarification there. Who else would be calling you from medicine hat? I, I've been getting weird, like, telemarketer num- like calls from medicine hat for some reason. Like, oh. they'll leave voicemails and stuff. I'm like, eh. You're such a liar. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'll show you You're the so receipts. full of shit. It's ridiculous. I'll show the receipts, man. <laughs> I'll show the receipts. Fuck, okay. I've uh, got a busy show on tap for tonight. We'll kick things off in the NFL. It is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl 55 this Sunday. Chiefs and Bucks, 4.30 Mountain Time. 3.30 if you're living in Corey's neck of the woods. Don't forget there, Corey. Unless your power goes out again. Mm. No. Oh. Don't think oh. that. Uh, the current betting line is the Chiefs at the favorite at minus three and a half. I know, Lance, you are a betting connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Do you like that line? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Would you? Was there some money on Tampa at that yeah. line? Yeah. The like betting world has been just littered with people who bet against Tom Brady for like two decades. Right. So uh, if you just want to, like, I'm going to splash on Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady, obviously. Yeah. Why not? So... Pretty hard to bet against the GOAT. Uh, yeah, and even to cover three and a half. Yeah. Like, it's possible. I don't know if it's likely, but it's possible. I mean, at that, a three-point game gets you in. Like, yeah. It's got to be over four, right? Yeah, so, it would be four or more. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I believe in it, but it's Tom Brady. Who knows? He's in his 10th title game in 21 seasons. So almost half of the seasons that he's played, he's been in the title game. Isn't that insane? That's pretty okay. Wow. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I think that's a good I think that's a good percentage. That's insane. And uh on the Bucks side of things, uh Antonio Brown was back at practice today. That's a, a big weapon there for Brady, as well as uh two key safeties that were missing from the NFC t- championship game in Antoine Winfield and uh, Jordan Whitehead. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll throw things over to you, Lance. What's your, your takeaways uh, heading into this game? What's your thoughts on it? And, uh, you know, Mahomes-Brady, we talked last episode about what these storylines were and what we were thinking or what we, what we wanted to come from this Super Bowl. Uh, but having Mahomes and Brady overall makes for one hell of a show coming up this Sunday. Yeah, it really creates the whole passing of the torch narrative for the obvious reason of Mahomes and and Tom Brady and what Brady's been able to do. I mean, you rattled off, what, 10 Super Bowls and just over two decades worth of, of playing is wild. And by all accounts, a lot of people may not expect, but they wouldn't also be surprised if Patrick Mahomes got to a level like that. So uh, it's it's going to be it's gonna be a more memorable Super Bowl, I think, than we've had in the past. I mean, we were talking about last year's earlier today, you and I, Colby, and like it was almost like an afterthought that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year. I had no idea. Right? I completely forgot. Like, if you had oh, to rank... That was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs> I know. But it's like, if you had to rank memorable parts of last year's Super Bowl, you probably pick 
uh, the Chiefs winning, and then you pick the halftime show, and then maybe a couple commercials, and yeah. then you would have to try and remember who exactly lost that game. Uh, not often do teams that lose the Super Bowl either that we kind of found out after talking it out. Not a lot of teams that lose are memorable in that sense, but I think this will be different. This will be one of those rare times like the Seattle Seahawks uh, being like the most prevalent one in recent memory uh, of a team that lost the Super Bowl. But uh, this is going to be pretty influential one way or the other. It'll either just further cement the legacy and the story that Tom Brady's written, um, which if he were to win this Super Bowl, it really creates an interesting story about what he does after the season officially is done and and what exactly he does with his with his career moving forward. And if Mahomes were to win, while well, there's the passing of the torch that every writer is looking to put a story about, uh, that's going to be the narrative and that'll kind of be the the next evolution of the NFL. Yeah, you bring up a really good point of if Brady wins this, what happens next, right? Like, Because I guess just... If he were to win this, it'd almost be the most impressive Super Bowl he's ever won because obviously the new team, like all, all the storylines that we knew coming into this season, but now he's up against Mahomes, who's who's not just a young upstart quarterback. Like he's been there and done that. Like you have two Goliaths Goliath going at it. It's like, it'd be like Crosby versus McDavid, but if McDavid somehow won a cup before it, like it's just, I, I don't, I can't remember a storyline where two quarterbacks are held so high going into it. Um, I don't know. I'm excited as, as not a big football fan. Like I'm definitely going to be in my seat watching that game. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, also the battle between the head coaches in Bruce Arians and Andy Reid. Andy Reid won himself his first title last season with the Chiefs going for a back-to-back. And Bruce Arians looking for his first, uh, both longtime coaches in this league. And uh, here's a stat for you. You tell me if it's a super stat or a meaningless number. Since he became a head coach in 1999... Andy Reid, head coach of the Chiefs, is 27 and 5 straight up and 21 and 11 against the spread when he has an extra week to prepare for an opponent. For years, he's been synonymous with having an advantage coming off of bye weeks and having two weeks this time around against the uh, the Buccaneers. Super stat, meaningless number for Andy Reid. Mm. In this sense, I say it's kind of meaningless. Okay. Because. Like Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, he, and he, I, I've already referenced just because he's Tom Brady. I've said that already like three or four times. But the thing is, the guy is not near peak performance. We can all uh, like see it. You can all agree on it that when you watch his game, even in the NFC Championship, I mean, Tom Brady didn't look amazing. Like he was overthrowing a lot of balls, which was strange for him to be completely honest, but he missed Mike Evans a couple times deep that resulted in a couple picks in what was, I think, three straight possessions that they had interceptions in that game or two for sure. Yeah. And so you kind of look at the body of work that he put together in that championship game, and yet they still find a way to win. And that's the, the story behind Tom Brady's success is that even when he's not at his best, he finds a way to win. And that's the mark of, of really great teams usually. And very rarely do you ever say that's a really great person, right? Like a really great player has the ability to win games when he's not at his best. But you, you can now apply that to Tom over what we've seen this year and even in years past when he was on his tail end with the Patriots. So uh, I would say generally that, that stat's pretty wild, uh, especially being 27-5 and five straight up. Like that's... That's pretty impressive, but 
Uh, Tom Brady is <laughs> is a different breed, man. Tom Brady, he's just different. Yeah. Um, well, I guess my question to try and um, rival your take on that, like, I guess with Tom and uh, with Brady and Bill Belichick over like all their whole career together, like how much of the chemistry between those two has been hard to pick apart by other coaches on the team trying to like, you know, against them? Um, like has that those years of success together been the problem why they've had like the Brady and Belichick era was so great. Like I'm just wondering because of it, the first year with uh, Brady and Arians, is it going to be a little bit easier for Reed to pick up, you know, different ten- tendencies in the offense or what it may be? It's possible, hundred percent. I mean, uh, it's a it's a different offense as well for Brady. Uh, I mean, the weapons that he had towards the beginning of his career in New England, uh, and especially actually during the middle as well. Towards the end of the career, he was fading away, and the the, the talent outside of Julian Edelman was gone. And you go to to Tampa, and I mean. The riches are, are there. He's got two stud wideouts, uh, Gronk back, uh, a running back committee that's been really good, and, and a defense that might be that rival some of the best that the Patriots have ever had. Mm-hmm. So uh, this team is so well-rounded around Brady, and he doesn't have to be the, the ultimate star like he used to be. Like you said, Lance, his performance, he's damn near 43 years old. He's not supposed to be how he was at 25. It's right. just not supposed to be possible. So yeah. uh, to be where he's at right now and still you know, top five, top 10 quarterback in this league is impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, and like Corey's saying, there's something to be said about the the newness to Brady and Arians, but there's also something to be said, like you mentioned, Colby, about, about the amount of depth that the Bucks have. I mean, for for his majority of his career, Tom Brady's been a quarterback that, has needed to utilize every single player within the offense and everyone gets touches. And that's the beautiful thing about not only what Bill Belichick runs as an offense, but how Tom Brady operates, and we're seeing it in Tampa Bay all season long, is that you never know who's getting the ball and who's getting the lion's share of plays on any given Sunday. And, And so that's what makes this really interesting is that you can't really game plan for anything in particular because even quarter by quarter or three drives by three drives that the plan might change where it'll go from Evans to Scotty Miller to Leonard Fournette to Ronald Jones to Gronk to Chris Godwin and you're kind of just wondering what the hell's next and all of a sudden Antonio Brown's still in the mix and so just the amount of weapons that he has this go around makes it almost more difficult for a Chiefs defense that honestly isn't incredible by any means um, they, they can get pressure but I, I think with the amount of experience that, that Tom Brady has and the innovation that Bruce Arians seemingly ha- has been able to unlock a little bit this year within himself, because um, typically he wasn't a guy that was really able to utilize that many weapons either. Uh, so now he has this full roster at offense on his disposal, and uh, and I just think it's going to be tough to game plan. I just I don't know how you, exactly you try and match it up. Maybe you take away A and B and then just hope C, D, and E don't beat you. I guess. Yeah. Kind of like what you'll do against the Chiefs, right? 100%. Yeah. Um, anybody excited for the weekend being the halftime performer this year? Hell yeah. Canadian. Yeah. Sure. He's Canadian, absolutely. Love that. Uh, he's got a few bangers for sure. He announced a tour. That's right. He's going on tour. He's going to Winnipeg. 
uh, oh. among many places. Yeah. 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 Well, like, like Victoria? What, what's the, What's the uh, what's the zip code in Winnipeg? Nah, you know what's uh, funny? It's it's not a zip code, but it's funny. The area code in Winnipeg. <laughs> I saw from a radio station in Winnipeg. They uh, they announced that the entire province of Manitoba is going to be getting some new area codes as soon as twenty twenty four. I thought it was a little oh. premature to to post that on your social media three years in advance <laughs> and then do up like social media graphics for it. But hey. Manitoba, they need something to get excited for. So they get the weekend, yeah. which will come early 2022. Right. Allegedly. We hope so. And then uh, another couple years after that, they get some new area codes. So a lot of things coming to Winnipeg and the entire province of Manitoba. <laughs> like big things. Come see the weekend at a city near you yeah, right? in 2022. But I think he's doing two shows in Victoria, I think. Well, two in Vancouver. Vancouver, maybe. And then uh, one in Edmonton. Mm. And, but the Where funny thing is he goes, he goes Toronto in February. And then he comes back in April and does two more shows in Toronto. Oh, yeah. So he's back. He does four shows in two months. But that tells you that venues are being booked, which is oh, interesting, Oh, and he's going right? to sell out all of those. But I mean, like, it, when you look oh. at, we're, we're going to dive into music, I guess, for a second. We're here now. Yeah. Um, when you look at how, like, a tour gets mapped out like that, usually if they go across country and then come back, it's because the venue that they want is booked on the day that they need. Okay. And so they leave and they go play other shows elsewhere and then they'll come back and finish up that part of the world that... They couldn't get to the first time. So you're saying that those shows, they should have maybe had four in a row, but they couldn't get four dates? Well, they might have, you're talking, okay, so they go Two? west, east, west, right? Like That's, yeah. how, you're, that's how you're mapping well, then it Well, they actually go south, I right. believe, and then they come back up across the border. So when you look at a, a tour, if it keeps, if it just goes all over the place and you have like map dots all over the world and you don't really know why it's all going in that direction, it's because the actual concert venue is booked or there's something planned in there, which mm. is super exciting because that means other things could be on the horizon. Okay. Because we haven't like that's like the first real tour that we've heard that's coming through Canada. Yeah. Is is the weekend. Um but if he has to kind of circle around the country, that means that other artists, other you know, oh. sports teams might be blocking out certain dates of the venue right in order to do whatever they got to do. So I'm just saying like that could mean there could be more of these shows that get announced, which is super exciting. That's fantastic. Super cool. And also, yeah. Manitoba has a new area code. So area code coming in yeah. three years. Okay. Fuck! Yeah. How exciting. We'll try to remember that. Yeah, we'll do an on this day or a Facebook yeah. memory. Yeah, right. On this day, three years ago, <laughs> they announced it. Um, okay, I found a Super Bowl office pool that I want to ask a couple questions on. Uh, it's got twenty-five. We won't go through all twenty-five, but for for casual fans, hardcores, kind of a couple questions for every type of person ahead of Sunday's game. And it's just kind of a yes or no answer, quick answers. We'll go through a few of these, okay? Lightning round. Lightning yeah. round. Okay. Get it going. Will the length of the national anthem be over or under two minutes? Who's performing it who's, this year? Who's singing it? Well, Eric Church is there. And oh, they have yeah, another, it's going over. And another a female, I believe. If Eric Church is there, it's going over. Yeah, okay, I actually take the opposite. I think he's going to want to rail through that. No. No. No, he's going to wail. Okay, so I'm gonna go. He's gonna be wailing with a bunch of long pauses. He's gonna go like he's gonna go. I saw I saw one line was at a uh, minute fifty eight. Okay, and I'm I'm taking the over on the minute fifty eight. So I'll take the over on two minutes. Okay, Corey. Um, uh, I'm going under. Okay, I'm going under. I and don't this know. Guy I don't really have reason for it. Yeah, but I'm going, guys. I'm going with Cole. Eric Church did like a, a a complete concert, back-to-back days, and it was just him. Like the guy is not afraid to go long. Okay. Like, like he's gonna go over, and I guess he he's probably been itching to perform oh, yeah. live too, right? Yeah, he'll probably do like three shots of whiskey in the middle of the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
gonna be wild. All right, so two under, one over. Uh, next one: Will Patrick Mahomes' headband be red? Mm. For the, I think for the most part, he's always had a red headband. I don't know. I kept they had a an announcement of what the jerseys will be. I don't remember I didn't what see that those. was. Let me see. If I uh, stall a little bit. Yeah. In the meantime, I would think that he normally does wear a red one, doesn't he? To be honest, I don't take stock in his accessories very often. No. Um, Bucks are wearing white. The Bucks, Bucks are wearing white, so the Chiefs would be so in red? He's got to go red. No way he goes All red, color. though? Do you think it goes no, all yeah. red? Yeah, that's a, that's a power so. move, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd going- say even more power move would be white jerseys with a white band, but mm-hmm. if they're wearing reds, they yeah, you can't he can't go off color, I don't think. I guess the strongest move you can make given the situation with all the with the red jerseys is to like have the headband but like so egregiously long out the helmet. Like so yeah. that, like the tie down oh, yeah, yeah. and then it's just like the ribbon coming little, out of the helmet. Okay, yeah. a little bit of a, a that'd tail be, there. That'd be nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I think he goes white. I don't think he goes all red. Doesn't make the power move. Doesn't make the power mm. move. Too bad. No, he's gonna let his play on the field do the mm. talking for him. Mm. Hey. Uh okay. What will be mentioned first on the broadcast? Brady's tenth Super Bowl appearance or Brady yeah. being forty three years old? Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? Like like and during the actual game or in the lead up to? I guess this would count like once the game this starts. This will be with right? Nance and Romo. What do they oh, mention okay. first? So like start a broadcast or like after the first down. What, at, what yeah, the minute see, they get to the air? These get tricky okay. because yeah, be, because like wh- what do you qualify and what are like for example, betting sites are actually offer, offering you the opportunity to put money on these, right? Hundred percent, yeah. And so it's like, what are they going to consider as the first comment? Because you're going to hear about it during the pregame, yeah. Um, and you're probably going to hear about it before kickoff at some point, yeah. Whether it's probably going to be Jim Nance because he loves, he's oh. a fucking historian. He yeah. loves bringing up the history, right? He does, yeah. Here's what I can guarantee that both are going to be said in the same sentence is yeah. whether you, what one you think goes first. It's That's, either going to be 10th Super Bowl as a 43 year old or the 43 year old in his 10th Super Bowl. I, I'm going to guarantee that, but I don't oh, know yeah. which order. That's tough. Yeah. Ah. It's always age. Age I, first. Yeah, I think it's age I think too. So too. I would yeah. say his, his age goes before what Super Bowl he's in. Right. Although it depends how the graphics are queued up, I guess, right? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. That's a good point, too, there. Uh, next one. Will Tony Romo mention his kids during the broadcast? No. No. No, Tony Romo understands the situation. It's does not about really? Tony Romo. Does he really? No, I think he does. I don't think so. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> he lost his mind when Chad Henney ran for a first down. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, actually. Fuck. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sticking with no. He doesn't mention his children at all. Um, I don't watch enough football games to know that he even does that, so I'm going to go no. <laughs> Man, these are weird. fun. Give us more of these. Uh, okay, <laughs> next one. Will The weekend be wearing sunglasses when he's first showing on screen during the halftime show? Sorry, before we get into that, where do you where do you fall on the Tony Romo? You think he's definitely I think he will mention his kids, kids yeah. 100%. Okay. 100%. Okay. So will The weekend be wearing glasses when he first comes on the, the TV? Yes. Man, again, this is a judgment call because what if you're watching in different, on a different program and what if two different programs have two different cuts for some reason? Why would they have two different cuts? Because, I don't know, why do they take away the American commercials, dickheads? You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just for commercials. I know. Um, (laughs) Man, I just worry about all that because like, if I'm actually spending money on that, it's like, I don't want to get fucked by technicality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, he will. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the sun will still be out. I think oh. a little bit. 
I think so. Well, okay, what? maybe, but they're also yeah. calling for thunderstorms in Tampa. Oh, oh yeah, he'll definitely be wearing oh, a thunderstorm. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> sunglasses in the rain. Tightens the odds. That guy oh, fucking would yeah. wear sunglasses that's, at eleven o'clock at night of the Corona. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's power move. We talk about Mahomes power. Hundred percent power move. Uh, Weekend fucks. Okay. <laughs> okay now, uh, will the longest score of the game be a touchdown or a field goal? That's a good question. Who the hell even kicks field goals for Tampa yeah, Bryan? Suckup? Suckup is still there, yeah. Suckup and Harrison Butker. Butker. Calling touchdown. I you know, think. you're going to see some rest early. <laughs> <laughs> I think touchdown. <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. I don't uh, know. The kickers both kind of stink. No, Butker's the best in the league. Nah. But it's it, but depending on if the Chiefs and the offenses of both teams allow them to either get in the red zone or they stall. Right. Right? I don't even know how many field goals there are going to be. There's going to be a lot of going for it on fourth down. That's another And if the weather's right? shit. Yep. Like, it's definitely going to be a lot going for it on fourth down, so. Okay, speaking of field goals, will the length of the last field goal be over or under 39 and a half yards? Wow. The last one? <laughs> yeah. If there is one, maybe yeah. there's not a field goal. The last one, though, Corey. Um, shit, hey. <laughs> yeah, that is a shit. <laughs> I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under, okay. I think. I would say over just because I don't think you're going to see a field goal under 40 yards all game. I don't even think you're going to see it attempted. I think if they're that close, they're probably going for it. Wow. So you're calling no field goals at all? No, I think there'll be fi- like if there's going to be a field goal, <laughs> it's going to be like 40 plus yards. Okay. Like they're not even going to be attempt like 35 yard attempts aren't going to happen. If you're within the 30, yeah. you're, you're going to go for like it. Like if you're if it's the if it's like a 27 yard chip shot, why even bother? Like just run the fourth down play. Okay. I, I would love to have Lance coach a Super Bowl game because he would basically like go to the kickers and punters before the game and be like, you're not, just don't do Get that. whiskeyed up. You yeah. Have to play. yeah. Don't Listen do here, up. boys, get your stir sticks. To. You're going to be standing at the Gatorade stand all night. Yeah. yeah. We'll have Brady kick if we need to, but like, you're, you're yeah, right. Good. Speaking of Gatorade, what, or sorry, will the color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach be orange? No. Hmm. Mm. Color, that's always a prop popular uh, bet. Yeah, that's interesting, though, because usually you have to pick the color. This one, they just give you the color and say, will it be this or not? Uh, I would take no. I got to say red. I got to say we're holding true on the color scheme of this one. Oh, power move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but like they actually have to drink it, right? Like, and if you're drinking it, like I feel like orange is just way more refreshing than, than red. Red yeah. kind of s- sticks in your mouth. Red goes really? down easier. No, oh, sorry, I, orange goes yeah. down easier. I feel like orange goes down way easier. Red feels like it just coats my mouth and I just taste like a fucking well, maybe a punch little. the entire time. It tastes you know? best, though. I like the taste of it more. Oh, it's but definitely I, pungent. I yeah. It's strong, but like, I don't know. I think I think it's, you take the field on that and you take anything but. I'm going to go orange. I wouldn't be surprised I'll, if it was. I'll just, I'll just go uh, and take the opposite of you boys. Nice. Okay, last couple. Will Brady reg- This one's interesting. Will Brady register more pass completions in Super Bowl 55 than the, the New York Knicks do points in the first quarter of their game Sunday? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. What a parlay that would Man, be. Man, that is a sick parlay. I like so, it. So uh, let's just say, for example, 30 completions. It's kind of the average. You think for these guys, they're probably going to go over 30 completions. But for example. Oh, man, that is. 
I think you gotta go higher. Hey, who are they? Who are they playing? The Knicks play. That's a great question. Uh, as I search, the Knicks got the Heat. Okay. Ooh, yeah. yeah you're, you you're actually gonna have the you're gonna have the luxury to wait on it though, because I think the Knicks game's at 11 a.m. So if you actually are betting that, you're gonna be able to wait and see how many points the Knicks put up, and then you can uh, you you be able to place your bet afterwards. Oh, you think you can I after the game? So. Yeah. Why not? Damn. If the Knicks don't play till or play at eleven, the f- football game is until what, like uh, four? I'm just looking for the oh Friday. Never mind. Yeah, they play the Miami. So Duh. yeah, you're right. Okay, that's mm. interesting. Yeah, so you could wait and then make that bet. Yeah, but we're not gonna wait. No, no, because no. we don't have that much time. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> man, that's tricky. Like they're probably gonna put up like the Knicks. Probably gonna put up like what under twenty five points. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they went over twenty five, I'd be surprised. And I think Brady will get to at least twenty five completions. Yeah, Lance, if you're not if you're not dressing your kickers, you got to think that he's going to get more completions. <laughs> and that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that they're going to just be pass heavy though. <laughs> I mean, they have two very competent well, running backs that they might have to stall true. the game out with. So true, true, true. What if they get up big though? Say they they get up fifteen twenty points in the third quarter. The Chiefs, you mean? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. sorry, no the the Bucks. Where Brady doesn't have to throw it very much. I don't think they're... Don't if they're, they're getting up big, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Because they're going to be in the back of their minds thinking, oh, fuck, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey still play on the other team. Yeah. We better score again. That's true. So... All right, two more. This is way more than five. Man, this I've, is fun, though. Okay. Dude, this, we could do this all episode. <laughs> well, we got... There's 25 questions. I feel like I've asked basically all of them. <laughs> what will be higher? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire total rushing yards or the age of the winning quarterback? So, hmm, Brady's 43 and Mahomes is what, 25, 26? Mm-hmm. Will Clyde Edwards-Hilaire have more rushing yards than those? Fuck, that's tough. He, he makes a lot of his money in the passing game and he's, he's coming off of an injury. Here's the thing, rushing-wise, I, I don't think he gets to 50 rush yards against the Bucs. Like the the Bucks rush D is like the best rush D in the league, right? And Clyde Edwards Hilaire has shown a propensity to not be able to run the ball very well this year for what one reason or another, probably because Laurent Duvernay Tardif is not on the offensive line. That's what we'll say, right? But I uh, I I don't even know if he gets to fifty. So I guess I'm taking like under whatever the winning quarterback's age is. Like he might only get twenty rush yards. Okay, maybe I don't know. I it's weird. That's a tough bet because, like, you don't. If if you're saying that he's under twenty, like, you're basically saying he's rendered useless, and that's hard to predict before the game starts, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. all right, I, I'm gonna go over. I think regardless, he's getting over forty three rush yards. Man, I don't know. Yeah, I had him in fantasy. He was so fucking too. bad. Okay, he was a mess. Oh, he was. Yeah, <laughs> he was injured for for a lot of it too, though. Fuck, and he week, got behind week Lampel. one. I was with Corey at local. Hype is shit. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the next 16 weeks happened. <laughs> There's a bunch of L's. A rough season. Okay, Corey, your thoughts? Uh, sorry, who is he? He's like the, is he the Chiefs' main running back? Or? He's the, he's, yeah, he's the 1A to Le'Veon Bell's 1B uh, in the Chiefs' backfield. But he receives more passes than... He's, yeah, they, he, he's... Yeah. Thrives on third down, basically, as a okay. pass catcher. But he's also explosive in the run game, too. Okay. Well, I think Mahomes is going to win this, so I don't think the bar is that high. So 
I'm going to go. I'm going to smash the over on that one. Yeah, that's a fair bet. Yeah, that's a fair one. All right, last one, the one we've all been waiting for. Which Ooh. team will win Super Bowl 55? Our final predictions. Oh, that's the last one. On this, well, that's the whole, yeah, we got to get going here. Man. Corey's got to go to school here. so <laughs> I don't care. Well, I just uh, I gave my prediction there. So Mahomes oh, is going to smash is what you're saying. He going to smash. Okay. He going to cook. Do you have a final score prediction before we get to Lance? Oh, oh we want one of those. Oh, okay. we could. Um... Let's go a little bit of a 35-21. So a 14-point... 35-24, sorry. We'll okay. do a spread. Keep it a little bit close. All right. Mm. He's got the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Lance Dahl, do you bet against Tom Brady? No. We're not going against the spread here. We're just picking... We're doing straight pick-ems. It's, like, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, man. Yeah. I, I'm just not going to do it. Because I've lost too much money doing it over the course of my life. <laughs> so I will not do it. Uh, I would say the Bucks are going to win. Like, okay. It's going to be something stupid like 38-35. Yeah. It's going to be high scoring. Okay. So Corey's got the Chiefs. Mm. Lance Dahl's got the Bucks. And Colby's going. Oh, you're going Chiefs. Narrative-wise, I want Brady. I think I do. But you're picking the Chiefs. But my heart is saying Chiefs. Oh, my heart says the Chiefs too. Um, but I, the Bucks are gonna win. Okay. No, I, I will, I will go Chiefs. I want the Bucks to win, but I think the Chiefs will, mm-hmm. will find just enough defensive stops against Brady yeah. and their offense, led by Hill and Kelsey, and a, a healthier Clyde Edwards and Lev Bell, and all those guys. Yeah, and if Brady turns the ball over three straight possessions, they're fucked. Oh yeah, with like this with this offense, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's twenty one points probably. So uh, good luck. Yeah. Okay, so we got two Chiefs, one box. That was a fun goal box. That was a fun breakdown of Super Bowl fifty five. Goal Pittsburgh Pirates. Glad we could. Do- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oof, oof. Oh, um, I guess. Okay, so I just, I just put this in the chat. Yeah. What is this? That's fucking ridiculous. That looks like the ticket price is going right now for the Super Bowl. Okay. What am I seeing? Five. Point seven thousand dollars is the cheapest I can find, and that's like the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds. Top left hand corner there, yeah. Holy, but fourteen point eight and to like nineteen thousand is what you want. You want that first uh, first deck kind of goal, or sorry, not goal line, uh, halfway point there. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean that's for the twenty five thousand fans that are going to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. Thirty thousand cutouts as well is what I've been told as well. So that's uh, that's going to be fun to see at least a pretty full building. Regardless, it's the not going to look like it's not going to look like the uh, the baseball stadiums that we were seeing in the playoffs. There, they're putting fans and cutouts. That's what I saw. Twenty five thousand oh, fans, <laughs> including mm-hmm. some of those uh, on on the front lines, and then uh, thirty thousand cutouts. Oh man! Yeah, they're gonna jack like... the prices up because I mean they're gonna let free free cutouts and healthcare workers into the building. So, <laughs> like if you're if you're neither a cutout or a healthcare worker, yeah, you're paying big time. <laughs> so are like the fans gonna be sitting beside the cord, cardboard cutouts? I fucking like... hope so. Well, man, I, I hope the way so. that picture was was described, I mean, there was like some empty sections, so it's very possible that that's how it will work out exactly. <laughs> 
I would just mess with my cardboard cutout beside me. I just like feed them and like <laughs> punch holes through. Dress them up in a hat. Yeah. Bring an extra jersey. <laughs> just throw them like onto the bottom deck or something. Right. Uh, that would be a good time. Like, is it bad of me that I like part of me? Because you know when they do the halftime show and the crowd comes out into the. 50 yard line is it bad that part of me kind of wants to see that just to see the reaction on twitter as soon as a bunch of people that are not six (laughs) feet apart jamming out to the weekend like i just want to see the blowback like because you're right that's that's almost a staple of halftime culture and that's going to be missing this year unless they're going to do like pull a dick's dick clarkson like (laughs) put him in the in the the fucking planet fitness box or whatever the hell they had there on dick clark's rock and eve and ryan seacrest is yelling out thank you for being here cindy lopper's gonna make an appearance blubbering nonsense if you didn't catch the dick clark's rock and eve from this year you gotta go see it like oh what an experience oh there's a few good moments for sure all right let's uh transition over to the uh, WHL. There's some news and notes from the dub. Um, Alberta has approved uh, teams to play within the Central Division. So that's the five uh, Alberta teams, including Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, Calgary, Edmonton, and Red Deer. And uh, some news today, actually, uh, courtesy of Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet. Uh, He announced that the Saskatchewan bubble may be in play in Regina, and they're waiting on uh, both Brandon and Winnipeg out in Manitoba to potentially join that bubble in Saskatchewan and uh, Corey you also got some notes uh, for the BC side of things there might be some hubs in Kelowna and Kamloops Uh, some big things happening though for this 24 game uh, shortened season in the dub yeah good for uh, Saskatoon I saw just doing some research they also cancelled the the uh, curling provincials that was going to happen this year so definitely playing favorites over there for their (laughs) ice sports in Saskatchewan but, uh, yeah, the, uh, the BC side, they're still kind of in the preliminary talks. That's the two cities. Um, it would be both cities. So I think, um, I'm not sure, but two teams would go to one or sorry, three, yeah, three teams would go to one and two would go to the other. And then they'd just kind of make the three hour trip when necessary. But, uh, yeah, things are starting to happen. I haven't heard anything about the American division. That's obviously going to be way harder, but, um, I don't know. They're going to try. Like I, when we originally heard, I don't know about you guys, but when we originally heard the Alberta news, I just assumed that like players were going to bill it and, you know, they were, you know, you'd just be safe and as safe as you can be. They're going to have all the testing um, happening, you know, at the games and stuff like that. But um, when we'll get to it in a couple of minutes there, but when the Hitman release, when they were, where they were going to be playing, they said that the, the team's going to be staying in hotels. So I don't know about you guys, but like, I didn't, see that happening i don't know how you stick a bunch of teenagers in a hotel for months but i don't know i could be wrong yeah i was it was one of the unanswered questions i had and they were plentiful i think from the announcement that the alberta group and the central division was coming back because i was like okay logistically you haven't said how you're making this work you've laid out the plan and the framework and you've said Mm. you know we're gonna play only on weekends, five days apart between games. I mean, obviously that's going to mean one team's going to be off for a weekend because there's only five teams and, well, two and two is four. So, yeah, math wizard over here. Quick math. Quick maths. So it's like that was laid out, but how you're going to make it happen and how you're going to get there, that wasn't really mentioned. And because in my mind, I was like, how are you going to put these kids into the bill at home? Because you're now you're 
kind of going above and beyond of asking, you know, what your billet families do because, you know, comfort level during COVID-19 is going to vary with each and every family that's a part of the billet system, let alone how are you going to get provincial approval for Mm -hmm. putting these kids who, you know, aren't residents of that home into the house, you know? So uh, that part's interesting. Hearing that they are going to a hotel now makes it very interesting from a um, dollars and cents perspective for the Alberta government, which is always a factor. And that was my other question is like, okay, Alberta's letting it happen. Where are they getting money from? Because there's always got to be some kind of benefit to the province whenever they're brought into making a decision. And so I was like, where's the financial benefit? But if it's just simply going to come from hotel type expenses and whatever else may come of that, um, then I guess that makes a little bit more sense and brings some clarity. Uh, When it comes to Saskatchewan, I'm a little surprised that they're waiting for Manitoba to approve because what does Manitoba have to approve exactly if they're going to play in Saskatchewan? Like there's there's no sense that cross travel. Yeah, but this, if they're going to be if they're going to Saskatchewan, they're staying in Saskatchewan. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it has nothing to do with your province. You no, have to anything, you'd have to wait for Saskatchewan to approve those teams to come in. True. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, it'd be Manitoba asking Saskatchewan if they can have their players. Well, there. yeah. I guess it wouldn't even be Manitoba. It yeah. would just be the team saying, "Hey, province of Saskatchewan, yeah. what's up, Scott Moe? Can you help us out? <laughs> like, can you or can't you? <laughs> That's kind of where mm-hmm. we're at, right? And so. All of this for a, a 24 game season, hey? Yeah. I a little bit want Manitoba to be like declined and then Winnipeg and Brandon to just play 24 straight games together. <laughs> and you know they would. Well, they, would. they would. Yeah. The sick part is that they would for sure. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's kind of crazy to me, These man. These parents are missing their, their kids' hockey. And now minor hockey's not even a thing in Alberta. So, yeah, that's. Yeah. It's a whole different conversation, right? Might be dollars and cents attached to that conversation as well. Exactly. But I digress. Um, no, it's just my thought of it is very like I, I'm. I'm curious of the long term effects of simply 24 games. But if every team goes down this road, where like if you want to participate, you have to pay for the hotel because like, we don't know we don't know the inner workings of of how the dollars and cents are being spent, right? Like we don't know if the league's picking up some of this tab. We don't know if the owners are 100% on the hook for this. And um, yeah, I don't know how it's all shaking out, but I saw on Twitter, Lethbridge, um, after the Alberta announcement, this was like, I think a week ago, they projected a $1.3 million loss out of their pocket, mm-hmm. Lethbridge's. So I don't know. I have no idea what that means, what the league's covering, what gov- you know, governments are going to be covering. But like, I well, just feel like... Yeah. The, like we've seen it work. Like we've seen the NHL do a bubble and it works. But for these smaller leagues, like you got to start wondering, you know, we know if we go a hundred percent safety, it can work, but that means that the cost is going to be insane. So is there like a balancing act where you're like, okay, maybe we're not as safe to try and save us some money. Like I don't, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's going to cost them way too much money to put this on. Like it's, 
three different bubbles or, you know, I don't know. Mean, it's going to cost everyone, right? That's what I was yeah. ex- like. I didn't expect this whole bubble scenario up until today as well. I honestly yeah. thought like to Lance's point, play the weekends. You got five days off in between, uh, you know, keep your contacts small, like we've been told to do and, and away we go. And if there's cases, then I thought I saw a tweet yesterday that, you know, teams are off for two weeks if there's any sort of cases and then the schedule will get readjusted as it goes. But the, the whole bubble scenario for these teams most of them are community owned, so they don't have the, the big payers. They don't have the TV contracts. They don't have any of these fundings like their professional teams do. So the, this whole aspect to me doesn't quite make sense. Uh, I know it's for the safety of the players, but if that's the, the cost of this league, like you to mention, like further down the road for years and years to come, that's a big blow. And for WHL that isn't, you know, feeding the, the cash like other leagues, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. If that's the case, but but the, here's my question with this all: like, if because we assumed this this bubble wasn't going to happen, right? The bubble concept we assumed, I think collectively and amongst most people who follow the Western Hockey League, the thought was that the bubble wasn't going to work for a multitude of reasons, one of which being a Canadian American border running between a whole fucking division, right? And mm-hmm. so now that the bubble's being talked about. Why are we segregating this into divisions? Like, really, if, if you're doing the bubble and you already have teams paying for the hotel, why are we doing this as a division thing? Why are we playing 24 games? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why you use that thought process and why you go down that road. I understand you want to be safe, but it's also proven that, like, if, if you want to keep the travel interprovincial, which is what I thought we were doing with the Alberta League and the Saskatchewan League, right? Yeah. So if you're keeping that into provincial, then you travel to that city for the game, like Alberta's going to be doing, and then come back. I don't understand why the other state or other provinces, and we haven't heard from the states as far as I'm aware of, why aren't they doing that? Because if we're going to institute the bubble, you might as well just find a couple host cities, try and get them on board. You would think that it would be an easier sell. You, as a league, can then purchase hotels. And that's how the league can kind of help with the kick-in, right? The league can block off X amount of hotels. You constantly ship in. Maybe you have like seven or eight teams come in for two weeks. They play a round-robin set of games, mm. and out they go. In comes the next set, and you constantly have this rotating cycle. I, it, just, it, it sounds weird to me that they would decide, okay, yeah, we're going to just hub these kids in hotels, and we're going to pay the expense for it. And like shorten the season. And shorten, like if you're already doing it, like why yeah. not open it up to, to have more teams and make it more of a league style and make it feel more available because you're clearly trending down that road and adding a couple teams. Is that really going to make or break things? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, just the biggest thing that I could think is that, you know, if you look at BC, they'd be a little bit iffy of bringing in Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba teams. Like, oh, I yeah, think they don't be... think that the that the COVID crosses the border there, though. They think no, that no, if no. you just only are in BC, that COVID can't come in or out. <laughs> Fuck. True, true, true. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, have you guys seen what the uh, the university teams down in the states have been doing? Just the little pods that they've been doing. No, or did. So yeah, basically they get. Um, I, I honestly don't know if this is what they're still doing, but this is how their kind of proposed plan is that obviously they have all these different teams and all like their different divisions. There's like the East hockey East division. And then there's the North division with, 
you know, Denver and all them. Um, so basically they have like 18 pods. And so you go in for two or three weeks. Um, you play the eight teams a bunch of times, like four or five times. And then you take a break for about three weeks and then you get a new pod where it's completely different teams. You might have another one that was in the last pod, but now you're playing, you know, Denver is playing Boston now. And then you take somebody, you know, like you take Ohio. What I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, wow. my proposal would be like, I don't know how you do it, but you do a, a two week pod and you play 12 games and then you take another break and then may, or I don't know, like how, how would you do it? I, I don't know how you do it, but um, if you get in the big enough cities, though, Corey, like you, you have the facilities to make it work. Like right. fuck, in, in a lot of places, rinks have nobody in them. Like, yeah. and it doesn't really matter if you have like these massive facilities. Like, it, it's not a, it's not a permanent thing. And these guys aren't NHLers; they're not that far removed from playing minor hockey. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's enough places <laughs> yeah. where you can put them into just any old barn for a couple nights and make it work. And if that's the mm-hmm. case, like. This whole schedule, this condensed schedule, and the change to the schedule, this shouldn't have even happened if they could do something like this. I know they were waiting on on protocols and whatnot, but like you're saying, like then you run the risk if you start extending the season. Then we're playing in uh, July and August, which we show the NHL and their ratings. It wasn't a big hit, mm-hmm. and I mean not like yeah. the the Dubs getting any ratings. I mean we'll see what the streaming areas are going to be if we can even see these games with no fans in the stands, but. That whole schedule thing, like they should have done it earlier in order to extend the season to a, a length where it was beneficial for the team's development, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, and I should mention, like I get, like I'm a little, I'm blown away by it because it sounds like it's going to cost more if they go down that road. And I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Like you're not a league that is that financially strong, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're you're coming up on a year without any kind of revenue. I, I just, you look at a league, for example, the CFL. If they wanted to, they probably mm-hmm. could have made something happen. I was just gonna say that. Like yeah. if they wanted to make the league run last year, if they really wanted to push ahead and say to hell with it, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to to make this work. Not to hell with it from a safety standard. Like I I can't believe I have to preface this, but I should preface this is all with health and safety guidelines being top priority. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like this is all with health being number one. Yeah. But if the CFL looks at it and says, you know what, we're going to lose too much. Like, I understand it's a development league and that you want your your kids to play and you, and you you can afford them the opportunity. So you should do everything that you can. And I'm glad they're doing something. Doing something's better than nothing. It just sounds like the long term repercussions for multiple teams, like the Swift Currents, Prince Alberts in the Saskatchewan area. That just that that sounds like it's a tough sell. One thing I want to bring up quickly, it's probably a bigger conversation that we can discuss later because we got to get moving, but uh, there has been rumblings in terms of the draft that usually is held in June. Um, if there's no really development play to be had this season, there is talks that next year, next June, when the Seattle draft takes place, they will do a potential super draft. They'll do one draft, and then right after, they'll do a second draft. And that might be the best way uh, for these kids to actually get some games under their belt and, and show. Because it's how can GMs pick players at this point? This is insane. Like you can't, you can't physically go and scout anybody right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe unless you're in Sioux Falls. I mean, uh, exactly. Oh get oh in boy. one of the the, the packed barn and yeah, get to the Stampede games. 
<laughs> Fucking hell, Sioux Falls, what are you doing? What well, are you doing? But no, that's a that's a good thought. Like, I mean, that's going to come down to the NHL, yeah, right? Of course. And what they want to do. Yeah. I would fuck you hope, but you probably don't expect. I would I would hope that the NHL would communicate something like that to its development leagues that they're picking from, whether it's overseas or the WHL, CHL as a whole. NCAA, they're they're communicating that if that's a legitimate possibility, but yeah, I mean, who knows? Because if that is, like, if that's a legitimate thing that they want and the road they want to go down where they do the super draft, you probably don't need to have this year, right? No, exactly. Like a, as a as a CHL, that's or what as I'm an saying. NCAA, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. Just yeah. wait till the fall and get some games in before a draft next June. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll move things on. Uh, Corey's got to get to school again. Right. Uh, so yeah. Doug sure. Armstrong has been named GM of the 2022 Canada Olympic Yay. team, and uh, we talked about this off mic. A bunch of assistants GMs have been added in Ken Holland and Ron Francis and Don Sweeney, Roberta Luongo and Scott Salmon. And uh, Craig Button today on TSN.ca released his projected 2022 roster of Team Canada. Uh, we'll throw things to you, Corey. What's your initial takeaways? I know you got some cuts or some you know honorable mentions that weren't making this projected team, but what's your thought on 2022 Team Canada? Honestly, like, ah, I don't know. Like, inexperienced, I think. And it's tough to say that with Marchand and Crosby and Bergeron there. And obviously, like, oh, uh, obviously, Shea Weber and Petrangelo. Uh, I didn't see Weber's name. I put him as a cut. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. No, I, uh, no, I just made a note here. Uh, if you took out Crosby from that lineup that he projected, there's only five, uh, sorry, six Stanley Cup rings in that locker room. Mm. Um, and I'm like, you know, there's one for O'Reilly, um, Pareko, or Pareko, Petrangelo, Marshawn, Point, and Bergeron. And I just think back to like the 2010 team and the 2014 team, the 2014 team especially, like all throughout the depth, like not just the stars of Crosby who had already um, had a Stanley Cup to his name, and but you look at the back end, there's Duncan Keith that had two at that point, there's uh, Doughty that had had one and another one was coming right after it and just like Mark even the depth Vlasic well, he's got he's got that. Olympic experience he does Jay Bowmister no. well okay yeah fair no but uh, just talking about like Stanley Cup wins yeah. on those teams but like, even the depth like Jeff Carter was on there he had a cup Getzloff Perry like I don't know it was just guys that had had success in the NHL um, and then just looking at this team like I don't know it's just very skilled players. I won't give them that. Maybe one of the more skilled teams Canada's ever had, but it just, it doesn't scream experience. It doesn't scream been there, done that. You look at the D core, like Shea Fedor and Kale McCarr, like, like that's at the top. Like, I don't, I just, I don't know if that's like, I would almost take America's D core over our guys. Like, I don't know. It's, it's obviously, like I said, very skilled players. It's just kind of underwhelming about, about who is there. But anyway, what do, what do you think Lance? Uh, I think there's a lot of recency bias in Craig Button's projections. Hmm. I, yeah. I, I'm failing to understand how Mackenzie Blackwood gets a nod from him as a third goaltender when there's mm-hmm. like you can literally just pick anyone. Like Mackenzie Blackwood hasn't really proven anything to this point, and so to mm-hmm. say, well, I think he's gonna be an Olympic goaltender. Like, fuck, there's got to be some kind of like history in order to give you that feeling. You know what I mean? Like. I uh, mm-hmm. I in no way, shape, or form can get behind that. Bowen Byram is on there simply because he's the talk of the day. Um, there's, 
I would give it like a 3% chance that Bowen Byram is making the 2022 Team Canada Olympic roster. There's just... There, there's Don't so tell m- Corey that, though. There's just so many guys that, that <laughs> no, could be on there. Like... I mean, Aaron Ekblad is another guy that you might give a look at or should at least be ahead of the conversation than Bowen Byram. Like, well, look at what Corey's got. Doughty and Burns are not yeah. on this list. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I can kind of understand why some people might leave Doughty off or make Doughty the eighth defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another one's Josh Morrissey that isn't m- mentioned at all, although yeah. he, he's not having... Oh, 100%. Like, he's been a... He's kind of losing his, his shine because the Jets' D is so bad. Um, and he's he's a standout. He was behind Buffalo forever, and yeah, this is year two of him being in the spotlight. And on the forward group, like Nick Suzuki, like <laughs> yeah, what? what what are you talking about? People mate? are so high on Suzuki, and, though, and that's great. He's so high. That's great. At twenty two years old, you're trying to tell me Nick Suzuki is gonna go over Steven Stamkos? Yeah, yeah. I know. In what and, like, fucking world over John Tavares? Yeah, yeah. Like interestingly like, enough, sorry, Craig, go on. Sorry, I would just to add to your point, you're not going to take Jonathan Taves in an Olympic tournament, in an yeah. international tournament, even if he's your 14th guy. Like, come on. I think health anyway. permitting with him, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. If he's healthy, you take him. If he's but, not, then I guess you're, I enough. guess maybe, maybe they're just assuming, or not they, Craig Button is running the assumption that he's not healthy. Um, yep. But it's interesting, excuse me, with Jonathan Taves because Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic also released his list. And it also omits Jonathan Taves. Mm. Um, he also has Bo Horvat in there, though. I find it interesting yeah. that Bo Horvat is on both lists. Me too. Because Bo Horvat doesn't scream top 16, top 15, 14 Canadian forwards in my mind. Character guy. Leadership. Yeah, like like he's yeah. good. No, I I think he's kind of, he's definitely a two-way forward. Um, and I think on like an American team, he would be very solid. But I think you already have Berger on there. You already have Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Stone is a beast two-way forward. I mean, who was in the uh, um, what is it, the Selkie voting last year as yeah. a winger, which is almost unheard of. Um, I just don't, and also like I think Horvat kind of gets carried in Vancouver. But anyway, wow. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised to see him that high. I didn't know he was that good of a player, honestly. I but. think part of it's the leadership quality that Bo Horvat has. And I think that oh, yeah. that might be part of the reason why he gets on both lists. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of surprised at that. Overall, though, I, I agree with you. It's it's a little bit young, uh, inexperienced, and they're, these projections kind of throw experience a little bit to the side. But I uh, I, I don't know. I, I look at Craig's bu- Craig Button's list and... I look at Pierre Lebrun's list. Um, I, I would be more than inclined to lean towards Pierre Lebrun's list. Also, another name that's not mentioned on the D is uh, Dougie Hamilton. So, okay. So, where yeah, are we, he would be where are we out there, guys. <laughs> he'd be a very like a uh, very PK Subban esque in the yeah. 2014 player. Like you know, eight yeah. defenseman go run the uh, power play or something like that, maybe. But but hey, don't worry, we got Bowen Byram <laughs> next coming. Oof. Uh, we'll move things over to the NHL side of things. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, that terrible human being. <laughs> hey. Uh, he's been waived by the Rangers after he punched Gorgiev in the face. Or no, Gorgiev punched him in the face. I should really preface it that. Um, there was an incident against the uh, Penguins the other night. 
And uh, if you heard 31 Thoughts with uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, Friedman went into detail about uh, how D'Angelo made a off comment to, to Gorgiev after the game where they lost in overtime and Gorgiev just wailed on him. He's a king of off comments, isn't he? 100%. Mm. So uh, he gets dropped. No one picks him up on unconditional waivers. Uh, I don't think he gets picked up by anybody. He's well, he's on the taxi squad right now. They're waiting for a trade. Apparently, according to Darren Dreger, there's a lot of interest in Tony D'Angelo. Oh, yeah, plenty. Among plenty. the NHL community. I mean, hey, if Mike Hoffman can get traded to somebody, anyone can. I mean, let's not yeah. forget the situation around Mike Hoffman in Ottawa. Yep. And, I mean, San Jose or wherever he went at first was just like, yep, come on in. <laughs> Door's open for you, bud. You know what I mean? So, didn't they shift well, him back though? Yeah, like, they flipped him right away. Like a minute, <laughs> yeah, literally a minute. Yeah, but the, um, the point still stands. If yeah. you're if what you're getting the, hung up on that detail, guys, get fucked because the point still stands that anyone can get moved at any time. Wasn't it Mike Hoffman's girlfriend that was the problem though, as it, opposed to the yeah? And then doesn't that kind of fall back on you? <laughs> sure. I like, guess. listen, listen. No, we're not clearing Mike Hoffman for this. No, but D'Angelo is just not a good person. And I think also that was a year ago and, or was that two years ago? Anyway. That was a long time ago. I think, <laughs> People I don't think, forget. I think one of the bigger things that has happened is the Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Miller, Arizona situation. Mm-hmm. And I know that's worse, but it's a sensitive topic right now where um, I feel like before teams valued the skill before the the human being, but now I think teams are being very sensitive in the situation and they need to, you know, from a public re- relations standpoint, need to value the human being over the skill. Cause like, obviously D'Angelo was a, like a Norris candidate last year. Like he's, he's very solid, but I don't know. I'd be surprised who, who trades for him. And you know, it might say something about the organization. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of heat. No, no matter who takes him, if he goes somewhere, there's going to be a lot of heat uh, at that franchise. Got a good PR team. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We, we know a lot yep. about good PR teams and outside of sports uh-huh. recently. So uh-huh. um, we'll, uh, we'll move luck, on. Big, loud records. Big, loud records. Uh, everyone in New Jersey has COVID. They're up to 17 players on their list. Uh, Buffalo and Minnesota have also joined the fray. A lot of players on both or all three of those teams. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Tyler Toffoli loves the Canucks. He's got nine goals, which leads the league, and eight of them are against the Canucks. The good thing um, for, I guess it's a bad thing, for uh, Montreal fans is that they only play the Canucks four more times and it's not until uh, March is their next meeting against those Canucks. So that's unfortunate. And uh, Sam Bennett, Victor Mete, both apparently want out of their respective cities in uh, Calgary and Montreal respectively. Bennett just wants a brand new role, uh, not playing third or fourth line. Allegedly. And Mete, allegedly. Yeah, exactly. That's it has from the agent. The team denied it. The team denied it. So. And uh, Mete is caught in a numbers game apparently uh, in the decor of Montreal, fucking Romanov, eh? Can we can we expand it on on the Bennett a little bit? Like, sure, go for Lance it. Fans, what do you what do you guys think of him? Like, I know when he was drafted, it was like, oh, this guy's a steal. Like, I what was he drafted fifth? And I don't know. I think through all this the whole season, he was pretty high, but then he just kind of was just turned into a third line checker. Yep. I feel like. Yep, he definitely did. So um, is there any room to grow there? Or is that him now? You win with guys like him. That's the thing. You win. You win True. in playoffs. With if you had a team full of Sam Bennett's, you're probably winning a lot of games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what the. 
Actually, you know what? I can't say that's the average Flames fan's thought because the average Flame fan also now thinks Johnny Gaudreau should stay for 20 years <laughs> after nine <laughs> games of a good start. And it's like, listen, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau's also had a lot of playoff struggle every single time he's been in. He's well under a point-per-game player, and uh, there's a significant drop-off in the playoffs. But anyway, Sam Bennett is a guy that you kind of need. Um... And I don't think he's ever going to get too expensive. Like, not not in the n- near future. At least my thoughts would be that he's not going to get to be where you're like, okay, he's a liability on the cap. I, I just don't see that happening, but I also don't know if he's going to stick around past the expansion anyway. That's what the talk is, right? <laughs> so they, they might just be holding well, on to him, especially if they don't want to trade him right now. What's the point with the whole quarantine process if he does go to a state's team or vice versa? Um yeah, I mean, there's guys that get you to the playoffs, and then there's guys that perform in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he is definitely uh, the latter. His regular season stats are not going to blow you away. He's not the fourth overall pick uh, You know that was a star in junior. He plays the game a whole different way with mm-hmm. Calgary, and he's done that for the majority of his career. And yeah, he's the last couple playoffs have been fantastic. He's been arguably the best forward. Might be the best player for the Flames in some aspects. Um it's very interesting. the The role he plays right now is probably on other teams. He could be a second. I think he could be a second line guy. I do, mm. given the opportunity. Yeah. Well, in, well, in Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Depending on the situation, but I, I mean, think in a lot of situations, he he could be. He though, could be. Like if if we're saying Jimmy Vc is a second line guy in Toronto, then exactly. I mean, Sam Bennett's certainly a second line guy. So, yeah, it it remains to be seen what happens with Bennett. I think uh, he wants a a bigger opportunity, whether the Flames give that to him this season, they they grant his wish or his agent's wish, or they keep him for the expansion draft and he's an extra forward that goes away. Uh, We will remain to see. Mete is interesting, though, too. Yeah, he's a good depth guy. Like He's going to be more than a depth guy. Well, for sure, but he's just caught in a numbers game right now. That's a very interesting spot. Him and Romanov are kind of similar players, I think. Romanov. And he's the Calder. He's going to be the Calder trophy, as I predicted. Right. right. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Romanov yeah, might I, be. I'd, when we did our maybe. way too early preview show, remember that, Corey? Yeah, hurdle for the freaking heart. <laughs> That's right. Look out, Tomash Hurtle. <laughs> and yeah. uh, who was our defenseman? We talked about. Oh man! Oh, Theodore. fucking Theodore. Greg Patteron. Greg Patteron. Yeah, Greg Patteron. <laughs> All right, we got to get moving here. Uh, Fred Van Vliet for the NBA side of things. He scored 54 last night. Uh, broke a Raptors franchise record. The most points scored for an undrafted guy in the history. 11 threes, not quite up to Corey's standard of 13. But damn, was he hot. And uh, you got a shout out from DeMar DeRozan, who had the previous record for Freddie. Um, that just great, great watching that last night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, he scored a lot of points. Did a lot of things. He sure did. He kind of put the team on his back. And they needed him. Just. Just shows how impressive getting 13 in a game is. So, but true. Anyway, moving on. True. Not a lot of people can do that. Uh, there's going to no. be an all-star game in Atlanta, apparently, next month that's going to include the game and a skills competition aspect of it. They're going to do the whole thing. Is it just going to be like who can get fans kicked out the fastest because LeBron will win? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was a good good moment there from Monday. That was. Um, and LeBron loved it. Yeah, he didn't want the the fan to be no, kicked out or whatever. He just was talking. That, that just tells you though how much athletes are craving fan interaction. Hundred percent. Right? Like you know what? Just let him roast me for a full game. I don't even care. Let's <laughs> nice oh. see a face that's not yeah, my teammates real. and my opponent for real. Uh, Bradley Beal, this crazy stat for Washington Wizards: 
They have lost 10 straight games when he goes for at least 40 points. It's like the theory that if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl lead the league in scoring, that the Oilers won't make playoffs. Very it's like similar. if, if yep. you need that guy to put up that many points, it might be an issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, and lastly, MLB-wise, uh, the Nor- Nolan Arenado trade from Colorado Ooh. to the Cardinals. That was a doozy. And the fact that they are paying $51 million for him to play somewhere else, to me, that's nuts. Is that is that that's not you know, common in, in any sort of trade. Not not even when the Yankees were in their heyday of spending money like crazy. They're not paying that much money for a guy to play elsewhere, are they? Sorry, was it Arenado that was, or the Rockies that were sending the money to St. Louis? Yes. I don't, I don't know why I read that the other way. Maybe because it doesn't make sense to me. I just always assumed that the Cardinals were sending the money back as part of it because oh. the, the haul that came back with, for the Rockies, I mean, has Austin Gomber in it, I believe. Yeah. Who's a top end lefty? Um, but I mean, there's obviously going to be some some guys that no one's really going to know that. I mean, in five years might develop into something, but right. I, I mean, if you're if you're trading a guy like Arenado, I I'm failing to understand why you are also sending them north of fifty million dollars. Um, That's what I read. Maybe I read that wrong though. No, yeah, Rocky's sending it to the Cardinals. So. <laughs> So yeah, I'm not I'm, really sure why you would do that, right? No. Like, is the player not good enough? Apparently, the owner said he wasn't going to resign, so they wanted to bite the bullet now and get rid of him. When he committed, the Rockies owner, yeah, the Rockies owner. When he committed, like, to that eight-year deal right. not too long ago, he's not going to resign. I don't know. Mm. That's what I was told. I need to. I'll, I'll try and figure that out because I, I just assume because I saw the number. I just assumed that the Cardinals we're giving the Rockies 51 mil because that part of the transaction would make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. But like, what the hell? Yeah, that's not safe. So you're basically, oh. like you're paying his contract to play somewhere to else. To get away, exactly. Yeah. Oof. Also, where were the Blue Jays? Like, put an offer in for that shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like, you got some prospects. There's your whole infield for the rest, like, next 10 years. Jeez. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. That's crazy. I, I don't even, I can't even comprehend how much $51, $51 million is, let alone with Nolan Arenado in it. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic player. And yeah, that's uh, a W. That's, for the Cardinals, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, they got, a, like you said, they got a, a corner infielder for years to come. Like they got two corners now. Exactly. With Goldschmidt, right? Or no, is Goldschmidt oh, gone? Yeah. Is, is Goldschmidt still there? Oh, oh, Goldschmidt. Where did Goldschmidt go? I thought, is it? I don't know where Goldschmidt's at. Okay. I haven't really fired up the brain trade? yet. I thought oh, no, he, I think he's still there. Is I thought he, he might there? still be there, but I, I thought he was too. Also, can we just like talk about how good the hotspot has been for the Cardinals over the past like decade? <laughs> like you got David Freeze there and like Pujols? Troy Gloss from way back in the day. Troy Gloss, my goodness. Oh, man. Yeah. They had Donaldson a little bit. Like just Former Blue Jay. Great hot Troy, spot Troy Gloss. for the cards. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, Scott Roland was there for or no? Yeah, he, he was a red. Yeah, he's a red. No, he was a Cardinal. Yeah, he might have been what? with the Cardinals. I don't know. Scott Roland also played for the Jays, I think, at one point in time. Um, oh yeah, Goldschmidt yep. and and Arenado on the corners is kind of like the opposite of what MLB wants to do. Like MLB says, let's build up the middle. Yeah, and yeah. 
The, the Cardinals are like, fuck it. Let's build on the outside. <laughs> Let them have the middle. Yeah, they can have the middle. We'll take the outside. Anyone got a good corner outfielder we can take, too? <laughs> we, we still got Dexter Fowler on contract. <laughs> One guy that was a middle infielder for his entire career is Dustin Pedroia, and he retired after 14 seasons with the Red Sox. Multiple World Series titles, an AL MVP on his mantle, some gold gloves, a four-time All-Star. The question is, is he a Hall of Famer? I was out talking with your co-host there, Jesse. Mm. And... Uh, Jesse thinks not right away, not a first ballot, but down the line, he should be a Hall of Famer. And I kind of agree with him. Yeah, MLB Hall of Fame loves to write around stories during the Hall of Fame induction. They love the story that they can tell of the player. And I think Dustin Pedroia's checked out. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he gets in at some point. But yeah, how is he, how is he not? Like, what hasn't he done as a second baseman? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess the uh, part he, of the problem is that you're not looking at him fondly. Like, if you're thinking of his teams, you're you're not thinking of him. Like, you're probably thinking of David Ortiz, Jason Veritek. You're, you're thinking of a lot, like a bunch of other guys. Yeah. Before you get to him, and I think that's part of the issue. Yeah, that might be part of the hesitation for some people. I would think of him though. Like he was definitely up there. I mean, you think of David mm-hmm. Ortiz for sure, but I don't know. He's, he's as much a part of it as Jason Veritek was. Or I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I would put him in there. I I just I don't know. I I he won an, uh, an MVP or an MVP. Like that's the biggest thing for me is that he got an MVP. Like there's winning the World Series uh, on stacked teams, but the yeah. fact that there was one year where he was the best player and all the Gold Gloves. Like it's just I don't know. I think he's there for sure. Exactly. And uh, one final news and note there from the MLB. Uh, Hank Aaron passed away last week at the age of 86. Um, obviously a superstar player. Uh, you know, the awards have been named after him. He's a, he's a legend in the game of baseball. And by all accounts, he's a, a superstar person as well. People look fondly up to Hank Aaron. Home uh, run king. Espe- exactly. Especially during the the whole color era, co- color era as well. Uh, one of the, the forefronts of that. And uh, yeah, he's be deeply missed. Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that is it. Uh, We're not there, talking Stephen Matz. Eh? Well, I, I threw it in there. Do you? Anybody want to touch on that? Not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Not a bad starter, but yeah. will his nineteen season replicate in twenty or in twenty twenty one? I should say, like having an ERA of nine. That's what I'm talking about. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Mets do this thing where the Mets don't know how to keep pitchers healthy. And, like, you can look at every single pitcher they've ever had that isn't named DeGrom. And they've gone through injury problems. Even DeGrom has a little bit. Yep. Um, they, they're they very notorious for it. And when Matt's got hurt in around 2016, 2017, he hasn't been the same since. Um, I think you're buying low on a guy like Steven Matz for uh, a potentially high upside. That's all mm-hmm. you can ask for if you're a Jays fan. Yeah, and they got Francisco Liriano or something, didn't they? They did. Nice. Today. Sick. Yeah. Bring yeah. him back. Huge. Your jersey's waiting for you. Big time player. No one took your oh. number, bud. Is he 52? Is that? I don't honestly 40, remember. Oh, 45 maybe? 45 sounds, or 54. That sound, yeah, that sounds right. 74. So, uh, 74. 70, yeah, I don't know. It's oh, ridiculous. All right, is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap this baby up? Yeah, man. Scotty's in two weeks. <laughs> Briar in about a month. Get your sweeps in. Fuck, I'm going to watch curling so hard. I'm going to be the biggest curling fan by the end of the Scotties. Big curling guy? Well, what else are you going to watch? That's a good point. I mean, like, I usually tune in towards, like, the, the medal rounds yeah. of the of curling championships. If it's the Olympics, I'll watch every Canada game or match, I guess it would be called in curling. 
Uh, I don't know, whatever they call it. <laughs> um, but I'm like, like I'm in for the Scotties this year. Like this is the opportunity for the Scotties and the Briar to turn me into a fan. Oh yeah, and they're on all day, right? Oh, so they better be. You got you got a lot of time to hell yeah. to kill as well. Hell yeah, fantastic oh, stuff. Vic Router with call number four <laughs> on sheet number five. Yeah, we're on. We'll switch over to sheet C. Uh, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of On the Board. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, liking. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter as well at on the board pod. And uh, we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. For Lance Dahl, Corey Bacoskis, Colby McKee, signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes! Yes!